Thank you for joining us for today's original meditation. If you're looking for one of our classic stories, we invite you to visit the rest of our library. It's a beautiful house. It looks like the kind of place you might see in magazines or on fancy Instagram accounts. Modern Scandi, maybe Japanese vibes with Victorian-era cobblestones outside the front door. Inviting and interesting artwork. Clean lines. Surprising spaces. It's also our house, and it's never looked better. Which is intentional, I guess, since after 11 years here, we're selling it. It's taken weeks of clearing out and touching up. And now that my wife Lucy and the kids have gone down to her parents for the next week, I'm all set to host the viewings. I end up doing 35, fitting them all around my existing work. To be honest, it's exhausting. But it's also lovely to do. And after a few show-arounds, I'm pretty good at it. I perfect the order of things to show. Hone the delivery of what seem like spontaneous lines that actually I say once every 30 minutes during my long blocks of viewings. But when the show's over for the day, I'm alone in the house. It's home, but not home. My family isn't here. Most of our stuff isn't here. It's tidy and precise, rather than full of the wonderful organic mess that comes with life with a seven and four-year-old and a dog. I'm even sleeping in my son's bunk bed, so our main bedroom is kept neat. As I walk around the space, I start a different tour. It's the tour I didn't give. This is the place where Lucy built a wall all by herself and then the following New Year's Eve we donned overalls and knocked it down with a sledgehammer just to try something new. Here, just where you're standing at the bottom of the stairs is where my daughter Sophia was born. The birthing pool is still in the shed outside if you'd like to see it. It was the most magical morning. Here is the bit of the garden where Nessie played as a nine-week-old puppy before she was safe to go out into the park. There is where I cried that time. Twelve years of life, all of my family's life is here in this house. And that is what I see when I'm here. But all that is totally invisible to the people who I show around an invisible layer of invisible stories and meaning. That layer is where my heart is. But when I show all the prospective buyers around, it's the rest of this space that they love. We all attach meaning to places. It's a human thing. So in celebration of that very human thing, 
Let's do a mini meditation on that theme. With eyes open and chest and shoulders relaxed, look at the space around you. Take it in. With eyes open and eyes relaxed, know what it's like to just see what's here. Letting the light reflected off objects come into the eyes. Just seeing the space around you. Now if you haven't already, allow in a memory of something that happened here. This is where I did that. This is where I did that thing or where someone else I care about did this. Remember that story and see the space through the lens of that story. Seeing through the lens of the meaning it has for you. Giving it permission to affect you however it affects you. Now see if you can revert back to just seeing the space without the meaning and without the stories you attach to it. Is it even possible? And if it is, can you flip between the two ways of looking? We're interested in how we might be able to flexibly put on different lenses and what that feels like. Part of getting ready to sell the house was putting a lot of stuff into storage. The house is lovely to look at and be in, but during the viewings there's a lot of white space. To the people I'm showing round, it's a potential, but for me, it's an absence. Possessions matter. As someone who's done a fair bit of meditation and spent time in a monastic community, on one end, you have the very clean, minimalist Zen aesthetic. And on the other end, the busy, colourful, even gaudy vibes of the Tibetans. And there's everything in between. It's certainly true that doing a lot of practice does mean you inevitably end up exploring your relationship to possessions. I remember talking to a monk in Thailand and him saying that even though he only had a handful of possessions, it meant for him that he really just clung on to his few things, like a lot. His razor blade was a precious treasure, and the slightest prospect of losing it unbearable to imagine. It was refreshing to hear, and I reflect on this a lot as I stay in the house by myself. The tub of toys that I hate having to tidy up all the time. The tub that more often than not, if the TV remote control's gone AWOL, yes, it's nestling in the middle of there, 
amongst all the plastic blocks and dinosaurs. But I miss that tub. The good news, I realise, is that I'll be reunited with that tub soon, when it's out of storage and I can hate it all over again. For this part of the practice, bring to mind an object that has a lot of meaning for you. Eyes open or eyes closed, it's up to you. The object you choose could be something near to you now, or something else that most stands out to you. Take some time to explore your relationship to this object. What is it that makes it special? How does reflecting on it feel in the body? How does it affect your mind? Whether it's the space around you or the object that you've just reflected on, what most likely makes it so charged, so important to you, is a memory. Perhaps a cherished memory. So let's take a memory from your space or from your object. Bring it to mind. And with it here, notice It's insubstantiality. Feel its edges. Notice how it doesn't have much thingness. And with this lack of thingness still, it moves us. This is its beauty. This is the beauty of memory. After a week of viewings, I go down to be with the family. And a few days later, on holiday in France, we accept an offer on our house. We're excited about what new memories will be created for the incoming owners and what our new life will be. We don't know where we're going, but we do know that we'll get there. It's a lovely kind of limbo. We'd love to hear your personal reflections from today's meditation. You can find us on all your social media platforms through our handle at Meditative Story. Or you can email us at hello at meditativestory.com. On behalf of the team at Meditative Story, thank you for spending time with us today. We love creating the show for you. And if the show serves you in a meaningful way, we'd love to hear from you. Would you take a minute right now to write us a review in your podcast app? When you leave a review, it really inspires our team. And we're a group who derives so much energy from understanding how meditative story impacts you. It's also a way for you to pay it forward by helping others discover the show. 
So if leaving a review speaks to you today, we'd really appreciate it. Meditative Story is a Wait What original. Our executive producers are Darren Triff, June Cohen, and Jay Punjabi. The series is produced by Dorothy Abrams. Original music and sound design by Ryan Holiday. Our scriptwriters are Marie Kilaru, Dan Neelin, and Florence Williams. Mixing and mastering by Aaron Bastinelli. Special thanks to Laurie Hoffman, Sarah Tartar, Katie Blazing, Mariel Carricker, Nikki Williams, Kelsey Capitano, Tim Cronin, Sammy Oputa, Colin Hauer, Brandon Klein, Alfonso Bravo, Brad Wall, and Brittany Mills. And I'm Rohan Gunatilaka, creator of Mindfulness Cards and the all-new Mindfulness Cards for the Family, and your host. <laughs>